you would turn with me to John chapter 18. As we come to these next sections of Scripture, and as I was reading them this week, realizing this is some of the most sobering passages in the Bible. This morning as we sang these songs, I couldn't help but think about all that Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary, and all the blessings that we have when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, not just the eternal life that we receive and and the relationship with God, but the fact that He does walk with us day by day. He knows, listen, tomorrow might be hard, but He knows that. And He's going to walk along with us and how glorious, how glorious that, that truly is. This morning as you heard the songs and we sang these words, we sang about the fact that Jesus Christ died for our sins and for the sins of the world and how we can have eternal life through Him. And I hope today that as you sang those words, you could sing them with great confidence knowing that Jesus Christ is your Savior. But if not, if that was a new concept to you or if you have even one question about salvation or the gospel or what any of this means, I hope that today you will talk with somebody and and get this settled in your heart and life. As we come to John chapter 18 in this section of Scripture, Jesus is about to go through several different trials. The first trials that we'll see this morning are religious trials. He'll go through both religious as well as civil trials. But I want you to know right off the bat that Jesus, as he enters into these trials, he was not a helpless prisoner. All throughout the Gospel of John, we've seen multiple times that the Bible tells us that they wanted to kill Jesus, but then he walked right by them or walked even through the midst of them on his way because it was not his time. And then in the last weeks, we've seen coming up to John chapter 18 that Jesus tells his disciples, now is the time. You see, it was now the time for Jesus to go to the cross and die for my sin. It's now the time for him to go to the cross and die for your sin. It's now time for him to go to the cross and die for the the sins of the world. It's amazing to think that when Paul writes the realities of that, it was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. When Jesus went to that cross, he died to be the payment for sin and to take upon him the very wrath, the very wrath of God. We will see in this passage that, and throughout this, this time in Jesus' life that, that many times we are blinded, even blinded to the issues of, of religion, blinded to true Truth. There are a lot of people in this world out there that are, that are zealous when it comes to, uh, to religion. And they're, they're zealous to when, it, when it comes to what they've been taught growing up and to, to the philosophies that they've learned and, and have grabbed onto. Many in our world today have grown, grown up in churches and, and they've hold on to, to, and they've grasped onto false teaching and false doctrine. But so many in our world today have grown up in this world system and this world's philosophy and, and the world's way of thinking. And They've grabbed a hold of that. So when they're presented with the truth, it's very difficult. And the Bible even tells us that the the father of the lies, the the, the one that rules this world, has blinded them to to the issues of of truth. 
But I praise the Lord as I read through Scripture that the Bible tells us as Jesus was lifted up, that all men will be drawn to, to him. And God will work in the hearts and lives of those that are lost. My friend, I want to encourage you today. Open up your eyes. Open up your mind. Open up your heart to the truth of Scripture. Father, thank you for your word today. And thank you for the wonderful music that we've sung. And, and Lord, how joyful my heart sang this morning and how glorious it is to sing these truths. But I pray now as we, as we come to the preaching of your word, I pray that you would encourage our heart and life and challenge us in our faith, Lord. Help us to grow. Help us to make the decisions that we need to spiritually, whether it's for salvation or an area of our sanctification and discipleship. Lord, whatever your spirit wants, I pray today we would be open and honest before you. And Lord, we truly would do business with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we read through the, this passage, it's interesting to, to see the, the different characters that are involved and and the different mindsets and way of thinking. And, and I think many people in our world today can relate to, to what we're seeing here happen in this passage. And so there's four things I want to point out. And hopefully we can gain some, some understanding and, and be challenged in our faith this morning. The first thing we see in verse number 12 is the arrest uh, of Jesus. Verse 12 says, The band and captain and officers of the Jews took Jesus and, and bound him. So the captain of the Roman band of soldiers that have come with, with Judas and with the religious leaders, they would come and, and they would take Jesus into to custody. But I want you to picture here that the Roman government, and the, the, the army is there to, to bind Jesus, but God is very careful to tell us that even with the, the, these soldiers are, are the Jews and the captain of the Jews and the religious leaders of that day. And I, I kind of have the picture of, of you know, kind of that, that little, you know, pipsqueak um, and that, you know, he's kind of standing behind his buddy that's kind of bigger and tough and, and you know, he's, he's the one wanting to pick a fight. You know, the little guy who's, who's weak, and, 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 but he's bold when his friends are around. So I picture him, he's here picking a fight. And, and so I picture these Jews standing behind these Roman soldiers saying, yeah, that's the one. Why don't, why, why don't you get him? And, and these fearful religious leaders, these Jews are, are, are egging on the, the Roman uh, soldiers and this captain to, to bind Jesus. It's kind of how, how I am with Pastor Stein when I'm out in the community. You know, I, I can run my mouth as long as he's in front of me. And, you know, and, and so... You know, being six seven or whatever he is, and that big, you know, he looks tough. If he, even though he isn't, but he looks tough uh, there. But these religious leaders and these Romans bound Jesus, and 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 the first thing I want you to understand is there's a great deal here, a great problem with organized religion. The, the Jewish religion was, was really battling against the truth of that day. And oftentimes, organized religion finds its way um, to be under the control of, of the state. We've seen that throughout history, whether it's the, the Church of England or Islamic countries. And, and the government ultimately gets control of, of the, the church. And this is what happens here in, in the nation of Israel. The Roman government has literally taken control of, uh, of the Jewish religion. And, and so the Jews the Jews that were against Jesus are using the government and, and their control to come against Christ. 
That's why it was important for those that founded our country to make sure there was a, a separation between church and state because the king or the president should not have power over God or over his word. We see this is God's way in the great example of the nation of Israel. David was the king and ruling the nation of Israel, and, and David sinned greatly against God. And, and it was Nathan, God's prophet, that came to David and said, you are the man, you are the one that has sinned against God. And, and in many, many rulers' lives, they just said, okay, buddy, then you're going to die. But David understood what Nathan was saying, and because of his humility, he surrendered and submitted to God and, and confessed his sin. And so here these, the religious leaders are using the government to come against Jesus. Now there's something interesting about this. These men, and I want you to understand, these men have heard about Jesus. Throughout the Bible we read about how everywhere you go, people knew who Jesus was. Uh, everything that he had done, they heard about. They heard about the miracles and, and, and the raising people from the dead and healing the blind and walking on the water. And everywhere they went, they, they heard the stories about this man, Jesus. And then, and, and then they see firsthand. When they approach Jesus, they say, Jesus asks, who are you seeking? And they say, Jesus of Nazareth. And he says the words, I am. And as soon as he says those words, there in the previous verses, we see that, that they fell over. And they get up and they ask him again. And, 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 and then they see Peter gets angry and takes out his sword. And he cuts off the air of the, the soldier. And, and Jesus takes that air and he, and he heals it. I don't know about you, but probably at that moment, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not messing with this guy. Like, I mean, I, mean, I literally saw with my own eyes. But they were so blinded. They were submitting to the, the state and they were submitting to these religious leaders. I, listen, I, I don't know who you're listening to today. Maybe you're listening to your friends. The, the, the culture that we live in today that, that says, hey, listen, live however you want to live and there's no eternity, there's no life after death. I don't know who you're listening today, even in your own walk with the Lord. You're listening to people that, um, you know, are adding to Scripture, taking away from Scripture. Hey, listen, I hope that you put all that aside and just come with open eyes to, to the Bible to see who Jesus is, to, to see Jesus for who he is, and, and to take him, to take him at his word. If I was there in the garden, I, I, I'd, I'd had to que question like, all right, listen, I mean, look at what he's doing. I mean, surely he is who he says he is. Surely he can do what he says, what he, says he can do. And I, as I read this story, it makes no sense to me from, from this side of things, from my perspective, as I open up Scripture and read it, it makes no sense that they would go through and arrest Jesus, that they would go through and, and, and arrest him uh, for the claims that the Jews have made. And, and the same is true in today's day. I don't understand. It, it makes no sense for me, to me, for somebody to read the scriptures, to see Jesus for who he is, and, and to see what he did for you on the cross, and to, to, to say, I don't want anything to do with him, and to reject him. It makes absolutely no sense to me when I read the gospel and, and I understand who Christ is and what he did for the world to say, I, we, don't, we don't want him. So we see, number one, the, the arrest. It really makes no sense. But there's these Jews who, who they wanted to promote their religion, they wanted to promote themselves, and they were doing everything they could 
to get Jesus off the scene. The second area we see here is the, the high priest. In verse 13, we're introduced to the high priest. The Bible says they led him away to Annas first, for he was father-in-law to Caiaphas, which was the high priest that same year. Now Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for, for the people. Now the office of high priest had gone from being a religious office to a, to a political office. The high priests were the ones that were to make sacrifices for the, uh, behalf uh, of the people. They were the ones to make intercession for the nation of Israel and, uh, before God. But the men were so corrupt in that day and age. It, it had gone from being a, a position of service to God and service for the people to a position of serving self. And so many religious leaders in our world go from serving God to serving their, their own self-interest. And we have to be very careful. Listen, it's easy to turn on a television and turn on a radio and, and hear pastor so-and-so and minister so-and-so and reverend so-and-so. And, and listen, there's a lot of wolves in sheep clothing, as we've heard. There's a lot of people that, that say things that they, they sound right, they sound biblical, they, they sound good. But when you take what, what they're teaching and you compare it to the Word of God, you realize the heresy that's there and the selfishness that's in what, what, what they're saying. That's why I'm so glad that the Bible says when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, that I can come boldly to the throne of grace, that I only have one intercessor between me and God, and that is Jesus Christ himself. I don't have to go to a man or to a priest to confess my sin. I don't have to go to a person to, to get them to uh, um, forgive me. I don't have to go to somebody that can go to God on my behalf, but I have the opportunity to come boldly to the, to the throne of God. I have the opportunity to go straight to the word of God and study the Bible and make sure that the, the doctrine that I believe and the, the teaching that I'm listening to comes straight from, from the scriptures. And now there were these corrupt high priests that were changing the, the Jews' religion to fit their own, uh, to benefit themselves and to fill their own pockets and, and to get their way. You'll remember back in uh, Jesus' early ministry, he goes into the temple and he, he turns over the tables and chases out the money changers because these high priests that we're talking about set up a, a, a basically pay for religion situation and, and, and they were fleecing the people and taking the money and, and making themselves rich over the religion of God and, and, the, and the, the system that God had put in place. Now we're introduced here to Annas. He was, he was the high priest of Israel. And in Israel, uh, by their own word, you would be high priest for life. But when the Roman government came in, they did not like one person controlling uh, or having that kind of power. So they demoted, the, notice the Roman government demoted uh, the high priest of God and told him he could not fill that position anymore. However, they allowed him to pick the next high priest, really the next six high priests, and so the next high priest would be his sons and one of his son-in-laws, the one we're introduced here to, to Caiaphas. Caiaphas would be the official high priest from 18 to 36. And, but the Jews would still look to Annas as their, their high priest. Caiaphas was one back in John 11. If you look back with me here in John chapter 18, the Bible tells us here in verse 14 that Caiaphas was he which gave counsel to the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. 
This was back in John chapter 11 and verse 50 when um, Caiaphas prophesied that one must die. Jesus was doing miracles and the priests and the Pharisees at that time, they gathered together and they had a council and they asked, what are we going to do about this, this man? They said the Romans are not going to like what he, was, what he is doing and they're going to come and, and they're going to persecute us as, as a nation. And, and so Caiaphas spoke up and said that one must die to save the whole nation. They were so concerned about their religious uh, state with the Roman government and what was going to happen to them that Caiaphas said, listen, there's a, there's a simple solution. We'll take Christ and he's going to have to die for the nation. So as we're introduced to Annas and we're introduced to, to Caiaphas, we see right off the bat the corruption that, it, that, is, that, is, that is taking place. And I, wanna, I want you to understand there's a lot of corruption in our world today. And unfortunately, a lot of times that corruption can even reach into the religious circles of our day, even those that claim to be a church and those that claim to, to love God. Number three, then, we move on to verses 19 through 24, and we see the, the interrogation. The high priest when asked, then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. And Jesus answered him, I spake openly to the world. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort and in secret have I said nothing. And so Jesus is being interrogated. He will be interrogated by both Annas and Caiaphas. And it's believed that they lived um, on the same, in the same compound both having their own home, but there being a courtyard uh, there between the two houses. And so Jesus is taking to, taken, excuse me, to Annas. And he's considered a threat to their power. So they ask him, they ask him about his disciples and his, his teaching. They want to know, okay, how many people do you have following you? What, what's the issue here? How many people are, are coming against us? How many people do you have on your side? And then he asks them about his, his teaching. And, and here's what Jesus responds, saying, listen, everything that I've taught, I've not hid. I, I haven't done anything in secret. You, you can see who my disciples are, who have been with me. You can see and you've heard all that I have, have taught. You go on in, in this passage, Jesus says, why ask thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. And when he had thus spoken, one of the officers which stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Answerest thou the high priest so? And Jesus answered him, If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But it is if well, why smitest thou me? And then Annas sent him bound unto Caiaphas, the high priest. And so we see one of the soldiers, one of the um, keepers there did not like what Jesus had said. And so he, sm he smacks Jesus across the face. But I want you to notice Jesus doesn't respond in anger. But he asks him, if I've spoken wrongly, then explain to me. If I've done evil, then tell me what I've done wrong. But if not, why? He asked him, why did you hit me? In that moment, Annas, realizing that he cannot find fault, and Jesus sends him, him to Caiaphas. And this will be the theme throughout every trial. No one will find fault in Jesus as they go through these shams of what they call trials because Jesus did nothing wrong. Jesus was without sin. And so you see over and over these interrogations that take place that yield no fruit, yield no evidence against Jesus. Because Jesus is God. 
in him, the Bible says, is no sin. That's a very important point because you see, he who was without sin came to die for those of us that are sin, those of us that have sinned against God. And there's never been sin in Jesus' in Jesus' life. That brings us to our final point here then, the denial. John has gone back and forth, just as the other gospel writers do, between the interrogations and, and the, the circumstances with Peter and, and his denial, and, and we see that here. But we see here, first of all, in verse 15 through 18, only two disciples followed Jesus. And, and they did so from a distance. If you look back with me, verse 15, Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known unto the priest and went in with Jesus into the palace of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door without, then went out that other disciple, which was known unto the high priest, and spake unto her that kept the door, and brought in Peter. Then saith the damsel that kept the door unto Peter, Art not thou also one of this man's disciples? He saith, I am not. And the servants and officers stood there, who had made a fire of coals, for it was cold. And they warmed themselves, and Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Now, there's two disciples. One we know is Peter. The other one, God doesn't give us the name here in this passage of Scripture. But the Bible does tell us that this disciple had pool with the high priest. We don't know what kind of relationship he had, but Peter is without the door waiting. And this disciple, who obviously had some authority, had some position, was able to go in and, and then came back and received Peter in with him. And when Peter walks in, Peter comes in, He's asked by the lady that's allowing him to come in, the lady that's coming to keep the door, aren't you one of his followers? Now, first of all, I have to ask the question, where's everybody else? We see two disciples have followed Jesus. A lot of times it's easy to, to serve God when you're at church. It's easy to act like a Christian when you're, when you're at church. It's easy to stand up for your faith because everybody in here is here for the same reason. Right? There's some reason that you're here. Most of us are believers, probably not all of us, but most of us are believers. And we come and we fellowship and we encourage one another. And, and listen, it's easy to praise God when you're here. But what are we like when we're out there in society, when we're out in our community and, and we're, we're attacked and mocked for our faith? Are we bold or do we kind of shrivel up and, and just kind of just be in the background? Well, it's just my personality and it's just... And, you know, it's just not who I am. I'm not one to put myself out there. And, and yet you put yourself out there all other places that you want to put yourself out there to get the attention. But when it comes to talking about the Lord, living, for, living your faith, being a bold believer in Jesus Christ, I have to wonder, where are these other disciples? But Peter comes and, and this girl asks him. And we have the first denial. Remember, Jesus had told Peter, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me. How many times? Three Three, you know, sometimes we, 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 we know things are wrong, right? We, we, we know that there's sin, like immorality and lying and cheating, and, and sometimes we, we know those things are wrong, and, and, and then we, we find ourselves and we do it. And I had to think to myself, Peter, how did you not just think back hours before? It wasn't like this was days, weeks, months, or even years um, before that Jesus told him this. I mean, we're, just, we're talking just hours. Jesus said, you're going to deny me three times. And, and I have to think, how did you not deny him and in those moments be convicted? Like, think, wait, wait a minute. 
No, I, I can't do this. Why am I, why am I doing this? There's, Jesus had told me, I'm not going to do this. But he doesn't do that at all. You know, sometimes we get ourselves, in, we, we find ourselves in sin, and what happens? We get away with it. And so we think it's no big deal. And so what happens the next time? Well, well, we get away with it. You know, people lie. People look at immorality on their computer, and, and, and it's no big deal. I got away with it. No, nobody caught me. And we go on and on and on and think that it's no big deal. Hey, listen, God says it's sin, it's sin. And you can hide it from men, but God sees your heart and he sees what you're doing in secret just as he sees what you're doing in the open. And God convicts you of that sin, but yet you think, wow, I didn't get caught by men and, and, and we do it again. And then next time it's easier to do. And so Peter finds himself denying himself to, to this girl. He denies that he is even Jesus' disciple. I'm sure he was even surprised that this, this slave girl keeping the door would even ask him this, this question. But notice what happens, very, the next thing. Peter doesn't leave, he doesn't go out, but now he, the Bible says there were those that were there, the servants and the, and the leaders, the, the soldiers, and they, they started a fire. Instead of being smote in his heart over his denial, he just blends right in. He just starts living life with, with them. As they start this fire, he comes and he, he warms himself. And then they ask him again, jump down with me if you would to verse 25. And Simon Peter stood and warmed himself. And they said therefore unto him, art not thou also one of his disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. And so Peter is there warming himself, blending in. And what does he do? He denies himself. He denies himself again. You know, God tells us many times in Scripture, be careful who you hang out with. Be careful, where you're, be careful where your heart is. Be careful who you're hanging out with. Be careful who your friends are. And this is what we do. We justify it in our life. I can handle it. I, I can handle being friends with these unbelievers. I can handle being in their presence. And, and I can handle the pressure that comes from, from hanging out with them. And, and listen, I have a lot of acquaintances and even friends that are, that are unbelievers but I have to guard myself because it's easy to just blend in. And it's easy to feel, feel the pressure, feel the pressure, and, and then not say anything about the sin that's happening. And, and even because I didn't say something, and next time I'm, I'm even more comfortable with it. And then a lot of times we've seen many Christians, well, they just jump right in. And I know what you're thinking. That, that would never happen to me, Pastor. I, I'm a strong believer. Be careful. Be careful lest you fall. Because many times the spirit, the spirit is willing, but the flesh, the flesh is weak. And in our pride, we, we, we oftentimes struggle. And Peter is blend, blending in by the fire, and he denies him a second time. But then notice here in verse 26, one of the servants of the high priest, being a kinsman whose heir Peter cut off, and so a family member of the, the soldier that Peter cut his ear off is there, and he sees Peter, and he was there in the garden seeing that happen, saw Jesus put the ear back on, and he says, did not I see thee in the garden with him? Peter then denied again, and immediately the cock crew, and so Peter denied him the third time. You know, it's easy to say what people want to hear. It's easy to, to be prideful and say, Jesus, I would never deny you. It's easy to say that. I, I'd never sin. I'd never forsake God. I'd never go by the ways of the world. But you know, it's also easy to, 
to blend in the crowd. We live in a world that hates God and hates Christianity and hates the church, and it's easy to blend in. Well, I just, I want to have friends. I love them. I like them. They're, you know, and it's easy just to, they're not that bad. And it's easy just to, to, to blend in. And then you're going to have to make a decision. A- am I going to, to be involved in the sin or am I just going to sit here and, and let it go on? Or am I going to speak up and take a stand for truth and, and for righteousness? When you take a stand, you'll stand out. Notice it was easy for Peter to take a stand when he was with Jesus and the other disciples, right? I mean, he was willing to give his life. He was willing to go and fight because Jesus and the disciples were there and, and they had his back. So what does Peter do? He takes out his sword and he cuts off the ear. But now Peter's by himself. I don't know where the other disciple is now that came in with Peter. He, he's somewhere else, but Peter's there and he's just with the crowd. He's with the lost people. It's not so easy anymore, is it, Peter? And so Peter fails. And he does exactly what Jesus said. Now here's what we have to understand from this. God's word is true. God's word is true. You might think you're stronger and bigger and better, but if God says, listen, when you blend in with the world, it's going to impact your walk with me. When you live for the world, you're going to reap what you sow. The, God's word is a reality. We, we like to think, no, I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm better. And listen, we're all flesh and we're all sinful people. And we, can't, we have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to keep ourselves separated so that we don't fall, so that we don't give in, so that we don't deny Christ. Hey, listen, it should be just as easy for us to be out on the street corner proclaiming the gospel all by ourselves as it is here at Grace Baptist Church. We should be just as bold in our homes with our children and our family to to read our Bible and study scripture as we are when we're in our Sunday school class. We should be just as bold to talk about the Lord to the lost in this world and to even those that hate Christ just as we are to our friends and our family and and those within the church. Peter, Lord, I'll never deny you. Wait a minute, aren't you one of his? Oh, no, no, I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't even know him. I'm not with him. But one step blends in. I'm right here with everybody, warming my hands, probably talking about whatever's going on. Can you believe what's going on with this Jesus? Who knows what they're talking about? And if somebody looks over, wait a minute, aren't you one of his? Oh, no, I'm, I'm not one of his. And then the the servant who was there in the garden, I I saw you. I saw you. One of the the great blessings of my life is to be a husband and and a father. And I'm very proud of my family, just I'm sure most of you are. I get to to serve as the pastor, and it's, it's awesome when I go through the community and somebody says, hey, aren't you the pastor of grace? Oh, hey, I heard you on the radio or we watched you on television. Last week we had a family that was visiting, visiting from Brownsburg, and they used to watch us on Sunday nights, and, and I love it when I'm out in the community and people say, hey, you're the pastor of Grace Baptist Church. I saw you or I heard you preach at this, at this funeral. Man, that's amazing. But you know, even more important than that, 
I love when people ask me, hey, are you a Christian? Or when I have a conversation and I can say, hey, you know what? Hey, I'm a, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and, and I'd love to just talk to you. You know Christ is your Savior and, and have that conversation. Listen, we should all be bold witnesses for Christ. Jesus boldly went to the cross, and he died for your sin. And he died for your sin. He died for your sin. He died for mine. Finally, as we finish up, Peter denied Jesus three times. The cock crew can only imagine what went through his mind. But I don't want you to forget the rest of the story. Peter confessed his sin. We come to Acts chapter 2, and Peter preaches at the day of Pentecost, and 3,000 souls were saved. Peter, we see, ministering for Christ throughout the New Testament. Hey, listen, maybe you're here today and you failed. We serve a forgiving God. Maybe you're here today and, and you've stumbled in your walk with the Lord and you struggled. And Listen, God will forgive you. Confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. The truth is we're not, we're not perfect. And Peter will go on later and have an issue with Paul. And there will be that, that face-to-face confrontation that they have because of Peter's attitude and, and thinking in that moment. And Paul corrects him. And, and Peter gets right with the Lord again. And, hey, listen, God will forgive you. There's no justification in, in wallowing in your sin and self-pity. Confess your sin and, and move on. Peter is one of the great restoration stories of the Bible. Many of us, when we look at somebody like Peter, we'd want to give up on him. Well, you denied Jesus? I can't believe you would deny, deny the Lord. And, and God said, listen, I'm going to use you, Peter, and you're going to do great things for me. And Peter preached the gospel, and many people were saved. And we have books of the Bible that were written by him. And, and God, glorious used, God gloriously used him in that day and, and throughout history. You see, that's the power of the cross, That's the power of what Jesus does when we receive him as our Savior and then we commit to our life to serving him. What a joy it is to serve Jesus Christ and to live for him. As we go through life, we stumble and fail and we have our struggles and trials. But he forgives us as he promises and we go on and we continue to serve him. a sobering thought to think that Jesus is going to go through these fake trials and he's going to go to the cross and die for the sins of the world but what's more sobering is there might be some sitting here today you might get up and leave this place and reject and walk out of here without accepting Jesus Christ as your savior Blinded by the philosophies of this world. Blinded by what you've been raised up in. And so what I'd like for you to consider at this time is is put all those things aside. And come with open eyes and open hearts and open minds and examine the truth. And see Jesus for who he is. The one that died for you.